the nice guy syndrome. Imagine if that head trash was not there. Who would you be? What if I told you those fears were no longer a problem? What would you do? I'm Stephanie Costello, a mom of three, wife, and avid mountaineer. Beyond all of these, I am, very much like you, an average person trying to navigate this thing we call life. My goal with this podcast is to bring to light the truth about what intimacy really is. You may smile, feel called out, or learn something new. Either way, you will learn you are in control. This episode is brought to you by Safety in Freedom. Are you struggling to find safety in the freedom you create? Or maybe you're struggling to own your power, embrace who you are, and break free from those toxic patterns? Well, let's help you solve this problem today. Let's figure out what is really happening in your relationships with yourself and others. You can do that for free today at safetyinfreedom.com forward slash call. That is safetyinfreedom.com forward slash call. In addition, if you are looking for support with what we've been talking about in today's episode, I want to encourage you to get our free tools to help you navigate your freedom. You can go now to safetyinfreedom.com to get those resources. If you'd like access to the special resources and all the show notes for the special episode, make sure to visit theintimacytruths.com. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing to you Nicole, who is an experienced family law and probate litigator, assisting clients in resolving their family crises in an efficient manner with empathy and compassion. Through thoughtful and tailored strategy, unique to client goals, and creative solutions to maximize family wealth and limit family turmoil, she works with self-employed individuals, business owners, business executives, attorneys, dentists, doctors, human resource professionals, and more. All right, all right. Welcome to the Intimacy Truth Podcast, where we have Nicole Forbes here to talk to us about the nice guy syndrome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you and uh, your listeners slash viewers. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm super excited um, because one, it's been a long time coming. Like we've really been trying hard for this. And yes. two, this is such an important conversation to be having uh, for people with uh, with people and for people who are needing like that really un- big bigger understanding outside of their own kind of journey, right? You know, when you're stuck in the challenge, you're like, I don't know what to do. Like somebody reach me in, help me out. And so I feel like this is going to be a great episode for people to really gain that awareness around what it might be to engage in a divorce or with a family law attorney. So I'm super excited about that. Um, yeah. So (laughs) before we jump into the fun stuff, well, this is actually, I, I find this part very fun. So Um, tell us more about when you decided you were going to be an attorney and what that looked like for you. Yes. So, um, I first decided that I wanted to be attorney when I was 10, I was in fifth grade. Um, and it started off kind of as something that got thrown to me, um, in an assignment where we had a journal entry, we had to say what we wanted to do. Um, I had these really big lofty goals of essentially being Britney Spears, uh, 
playing basketball in the WNBA. Uh, and my fifth grade teacher told me that that was unrealistic. So I had to redo Aww. the assignment. And my, <laughs> that's what shame I on my home. dreams, lady. You gave me this like prompt to like, yeah. I mean, I stopped out. growing. So the basketball thing probably wasn't going. Like I've been the same height since then. Um, but so my friend was like, oh, well, you know, you like uh, crime shows and you're smart. Like maybe you could be a lawyer. And so it kind of, um, was a light bulb moment, I guess, and kind of put me on this path. And as I got older, um, you know, through middle school, through high school, and then certainly through college, um, certainly by the time that I was applying for colleges, I had an idea of, I want to be an attorney. This is really what I want to do. Um, and I think part of that had to do with the communities that I grew up in, um, being very community focused, community service focused. And I really felt that law in general was um, a place to help people. That's always kind of been something that's been pushed you know, in the different communities that I was involved in growing up is doing something that will help people that will serve others. Yeah. And um, kind of as I got older, that area of law refined itself. And probably by high school, I had landed on family law, um, knowing that that would be a place that could probably do some, some good works and help, um, you know, help people. And now looking back on it, um, you know, I did tend to always be that mediator um, or someone who would stick up for other people, so to speak, um, in certain situations. So I think that's attracted me to family law as well, um, you know, kind of helping pe people put pieces together um, and move, move forward and, and try to be reasonable. Um, you know, family law is that area where no one wins. So yeah. it, is, it is a matter of kind of <laughs> how are we, how is this family going to look and operate um, you know, in the future yeah. in separate households. If you're divorced, obviously it's something different right. for other areas. Um, and then, you know, once I started to get into law school and, you know, I'm at Champany now and that's, um, kind of, I summered, um, in law school and then I got an offer to come back. So that's kind of where I've been. And it was a natural fit here in terms of where there was a need. Um, and then there was also an extension to where I was interested and it's kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, it's very cool. So um, I was actually going to ask you about the the being a mediator, like as a kid, everyone used to always tell me I'd be a good attorney. And the thought of it like stresses that out of me, like I just can't handle the idea of the pressure being an attorney in a, in a courtroom, um, but being uh, the person that I mediator in a different way. Uh, so tell me more about how you were a mediator as, as a kid and, and how you feel that that might've enhanced your skills uh, in your relationships. And then, you know, as you became an attorney. Yeah. So I'm the oldest of three. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> yeah. Especially when I'm the more the babysitter for the afternoon or, uh -huh. or the weekend, whatever it may be, um, kind of mediating between between them. And I think I've always kind of presented myself in that role. Um, you know, I have probably like countless stories of, you know, when my brother and sister were old enough to also stay alone, like I would maybe if our parents weren't around, you know, ran out to the store or something when I was old enough to drive and getting calls or texts from both of them. <laughs> Tyler did this, Samantha did this, and being like, right, I'll be home, we'll figure it yeah. out. Um, okay. So certainly similar with friends as well. Yeah. Um, when there was arguments and things like that, you know, perhaps sometimes I was sticking my nose where it didn't belong. Hey, um, we all do it. Situations, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's definitely something that um, I think friends have definitely acknowledged in me as well as, as being a little bit of the mediator and, and being the person that um, tries to get people to see the other side. Of, and take of, the action. Of, the mediator is yeah. usually the one they're like, all right, we've mediated enough to the point where we got to take some action somewhere or we're not going right. to get to any result. 
Um, either, yeah. even, even if no, nobody wins in the situation, there's yeah. still a result at some point. And so we kind of got to take our wins with our losses in the, in the work that you do. Yes. And, and, and I should probably qualify that. Um, so I would love to be a family law mediator soon. The trainings here in New Hampshire have been a little bit delayed, so I don't actually mediate right now. The, our firm oh, that's a legal mediate. term now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I thought I, I was like, I should clarify. Um, yeah. I participate in mediations all the time, representing clients, but in right. terms of being the person that's going back and forth to the rooms, I'm not quite there yet, but it's, it's definitely um, a place that I think I want to end up. But that being said, you know, kind of being the person that's working with other people, I think it's always important, yeah. especially in the family law space, you know, from a, you know, from a family and a legal perspective that people are seeing the other side of the coin, um, kind of get it, getting the perspective, getting that big picture in terms of how it fits their goals and moving forward. Yeah. So, and know, to add to your, on your attorney's side, but you're, excuse me, as an attorney, you're always on your client's side, but sometimes yeah. that means providing that extra perspective. Right, exactly. And uh, excuse me for uh, over, I tend to do that sometimes because I thought you were done, but the to, yeah, to add <laughs> to the mediator piece is it's not that you are being a mediator in your work. So for listeners, we're not talking about her being a mediator in her work. That's a different title, certification, whatever it is. We're talking about your communication skills and strengths and being able to mediate a conversation, not necessarily as an attorney. So I appreciate that you added that. And then while we're on this topic of disclaimers and clarifying, um, this is not to disconnect you from your attorney that you are working with, or if you're looking to work with an attorney, Nicole is definitely somebody that can answer your questions. But this entire recording is intended to bring light to the nice guy syndrome and what it looks like um, in your work, as well as how you help people once they, if they get to a place where they're needing a separation or they're needing some other support. And we can even touch on uh, other areas of family law, like estate planning is one of them, right? Uh, so estate planning tends to be its own area, but there okay. are places that overlap. And certainly if you're going through a divorce, divorce yeah. touches on so many different areas that even sometimes lawyers don't know. And, and estate planning can be one of those, but you know, like okay. prenup or postnuptial agreements, those tend to be where those two areas really collide um, mm -hmm. because you have to take take consideration of things in, in both areas. Um, mm. And I appreciate the disclaimer because lawyers, you know, the, the small print, which I know will be in the show notes, uh, you know, general legal advice, no yeah. right. um, relationships being established, no legal advice. Um, but yeah, estate planning is definitely something that in that area falls under the umbrella, um, but certainly, you know, there's, there's a lot of dovetail there as well. Awesome. I love it. Um, and I, I kind of think now that you're, we're talking, um, I, I coined it in the beginning, nice guy syndrome. I've said it a couple of times, but I kind of want to put like nice person syndrome, right? Cause it's, it doesn't just show up in men or, um, males and trying to be also neutral there with, uh, being inclusive, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusive the, the being an overly nice person and, and kind of doing that uh, consistently and getting yourself in situations that are not productive for you is kind of what we're looking to uh, focus on, more so talking to the listeners than you specifically, Nicole. Um, so I would like to go to our, our first kind of piece here about um, people who have that nice person syndrome that you kind of encounter in the work that you do. What does that look like? Like, how did, how do you tend to see them being and presenting and, and showing up to, to talk with you? 
Yeah, I definitely, you know, it, it really can vary. And I think you probably see it in your work as well. There can be a spectrum of this, right? Like it can be someone who, um, you know, throughout a relationship or throughout a marriage has always been the person that said, yes, yes, yes. In the sense of done everything, um, you know, and then it perhaps it gets to a point where they no longer feel respected for what they've done. They no longer feel appreciated. And it can be this point of, of no return. Um, and sometimes with that as well, I notice that, you know, the person that says, yes, yes, yes. Like I'll do this, 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 and this, um, you know, they aren't, as great as communicating Mm -hmm. in terms of, Hey, you know, I'm doing all the household work and I also work full time. I also, you know, I'm doing all this stuff. Like, can we, uh, like divide tasks here, divide and conquer, maybe just get a break for a little. I think that that's part of it too. You can not so much when I first am talking to them sometimes, but as, as a matter can progress, I can see these points of communication where there was clearly a breakdown, Mm. um, and that perhaps didn't get addressed. And then you get this point of no return. And I, I've, so, you know, there's a few, a few, um, individual types in my mind talking about it in this way. And then certainly, um, you know, I'll even see it, you know, when they're communicating with me right? It's like, oh, I'll do that right away. It's like, that's okay. You don't need to do it right away. It's fine. Right. It's like that always trying to make sure that everyone's taken care of. Um, and then they might fall last. Um, right. You know, I'll make sure that, you know, the kids have everything they need, that they have everything they need. And it may even just be, I was asked to do it. I'm going to do it. And sometimes it's a matter of taking a, a breath, taking a minute, being mindful and thinking, wait, should I even be doing this? Right. You know, th- this is something that I will make your life a lot easier, but it's actually going to make my life a lot harder. I'm going to mm. have to, you know, put the, these other things aside. Right. Because, um, you know, sometimes saying yes to things means you're saying no to other things 100%. as well. Um, so that that's a lot of where I kind of see those personality types. And, you know, it's always people. And, and the thing is, is most of the time when they're doing it, they seem completely happy that they're doing it. Um, and it's either because they're not realizing that that type of personality can kind of lead to burnout. Mm. Um, or like I said, some of these negative effects eventually in terms of feeling resentful, dis- disrespected, um, or, you know, they just really don't mind doing it. Um, and they just take on this, this extra work. Yes. Uh, you're like preaching. I'm like, so excited <laughs> you're on a flow. And I was like, you're hitting all of the points that are like my jam to talk about. So, um, I can do it, but do I actually want to do it? Right. Like right. if just because you can do it, doesn't mean you should, could have to, would all of the words that don't create any actual action, um, that are detrimental to us. Right. And so we right. hear this term boundary setting and it, and it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Really what that means, the essence of it, at least from my perspective is to negotiate what you want in a situation and make your needs and desires presentable to the individual. They make their wants and needs presentable to you. And now you both have each other's pictures, understanding of each other's pictures in your heads. Then you get to the workable compromise. And that's the piece that they just, it's like, well, I want this. Okay, fine. You can have this. That means I'll put what I want on the shelf. Don't get me wrong. There's a time and place for that. Like there are certain things that recently I was talking to a client who, uh, you know, hopefully this doesn't end in divorce and I'll be able to help them get through it. But 
one client wants a cat partner doesn't want the cat. Right. And so how do you have that conversation? One or the other does not get what they simply get what they want, unless there's like some extenuating circumstances like allergies, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously if you want a cat and your partner has allergies, well, you kind of can't have a cat. Like your your partner's (laughs) going to suffer through life because of your desires. Like that's not, that's not an equal, you know, weighing out of a workable compromise, but there are no allergies. One of the things, you know, a partner who doesn't want the cat just doesn't want destroyed furniture. That's totally understandable, right? Like, so let's talk about that. We can, we, there's a workable compromise in there. And, and, you know, the piece about the workable compromise is it's, it's literally the skill of having a conversation with another person who wants something different than you. And it's unique to the individual or the couple or the people that are in that whatever relationship it might be. It doesn't have to be an intimate relationship. It could be roommates. It could be siblings. It could be friends. It could be adult children. It could really be any kind of communication relationship together. And again, it's the, for listeners, it's the structure of the communication is kind of, we can, we can, that's a whole nother conversation for a different episode. Um, And, but how that how that turns out is unique to the experience, the situation, the topic, right? The people and how they're showing. There's so many, you can't really, there's no book that's going to give you all of the answers of what you want. You have to ask and know and crave for what you want. And that is the biggest piece to being the yes person. It's okay to be the yes person with boundaries, right? It's okay to like to be that person that helps and takes care of at some point there needs to be a being taken care of as well. Or like you said, Nicole, you said burnout and resentment. That burnout and resentment is not your fault as the yes person, but there is parts of it that you had that resulted in your resentment that were your decisions, right? And that ownership of those decisions are really, really important. Um, It's interesting to hear your perspective because obviously like I, you know, in my personal life, I think, you know, you sometimes we, we interact with couples often, right? Who may or may do this stuff, but in, in professionally, I'm at the point where, you know, some people didn't do that work. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. it's good to see your perspective and I feel it a little bit validated that when I kind of see it at the other end, yeah. um, you know, that you're kind of working with those people. Cause you know, to your point, I think sometimes even, you know, what that boundary is, isn't even, you know, might be said, but perhaps the why, right? Um, isn't properly communicated. And I think sometimes that's, especially in, you know, an intimate relationship where you have, you know, the presumably love and these deep feelings for that person, Um, you know, whatever they're asking for, if you think it's stupid, you might just blow it off. But if you know why, right. And this is someone you care about, you're probably going to try a little bit harder. And so that's something that, that kind of, I've, I've noticed as well, kind of down the road, it's like, yeah, but did you tell them why, or, you know, or even, you know, during the process, you know, you know, you get the communications and it's like, well, think about it. If you started this way, would you have known X, Y, and Z and kind of trying to craft some better communication again for, mm-hmm. for down the road. When, totally. You know, people and, like us may or may not be around. Right. Um, and if you like, if you genuinely think whatever the thing is that the person is asking is stupid, then say it is stupid, <laughs> but clarify, you're not calling them stupid, right? right like right, just, if you think yeah. their idea is stupid, then cool. Think their idea right. is stupid, but be respectful to the human you're talking to and don't then try to, because they're going to hear it's stupid and take that as themselves because they're emotionally invested in whatever they're saying. And so that ability to hear each other out is, is super important. 
and not take things personally. Again, that's a whole nother like <laughs> hour long conversation that I will not get into, but this is like, this stuff is so juicy. I just love having these conversations. Well, yeah. I mean, and so I, I'm not, you know, a therapist, I'm not a coach. I don't have any, you know, psychological training whatsoever. Um, besides, you know, some college and high school yeah. classes, but I do find human behavior and psychology so fascinating. Yeah. And I do think it is a disservice when you're working in certain fields, probably most fields, but especially with family law, mm-hmm. to not appreciate the impact of psychology, human yeah. behavior, um, you know, on the process with your client, with the other side. Um, you know, having that appreciation is important. So I can listen to people like you all day talk about this stuff because it's a lot of times like, oh, I've, I've seen an example of that. And now I know this term or this word. So yeah, yeah, I, I think it's so fascinating, even though, you know, I don't, I certainly don't have any uh, real training in it, but, but sometimes it's, you know, you just see these examples and eventually they start to form these patterns. And then, you know, you can listen to people like you talk about this stuff and and have a term for it or kind of Mm. know this overarching theory that allows you to better identify it and and work with clients moving forward. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that speaks, (laughs) so I'm going to kind of sell you a little bit here. Like (laughs) if you're shopping for attorneys, don't just go to like the number one recommended attorney or, or, uh, attorney place in your area, like interview the, your attorneys. Cause clearly, as you were just saying, Nicole, you genuinely care about the human and their experience. And it's not just a transactional thing. And the, th- the challenge with le- le- legally or, uh, working with the law is the law is like emotionless. And so sometimes it doesn't take into account some of the considerations that might deserve to be considered in different situations because the law is what it is. Um, And so it's awesome to have an attorney that can really take your emotional experience, your emotional desires, what you're actually craving, what you might be craving, but might not be realistic to have, right. (laughs) And really helping you figure that out. And then taking your experience with the emotionless piece of being an attorney and bringing it together. Like if I'm going to work with an attorney, I, or really any professional, you damn well better be able to understand who I am as a human so that you can best serve me. And so it's clear that you are somebody who uh, is, is desiring to best understand your clients and serve them at the, in the ways that they need versus the way you want or think they should be served. Obviously there's a little bit of both, but yeah. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And You're certainly, welcome. you know, um, we always tell whether they're, you know, this clients um, or, you know, people who call it's, I mean, especially with family law, like we're, we're going to get into some of your most personal yeah. events into your finances. So, you know, whoever you engage, um, you want to make sure that you feel super comfortable with them, just like you would a doctor or someone Absolutely. else. We're going to talk about a lot of personal stuff for, for an extended period of time. Yeah. So, Definitely, you know, I always encourage people if, you know, they want to talk to a few people, great. If they think we hit it off right away and, and they want to engage us, that's fine. But I certainly never take offense um, if someone is shopping around. Because to your point, it's someone that you need to be comfortable with, um, sees the case the way that you do. Mm. Um, and to your point, you know, we, you know, if, I think it's like probably a broken record to some of my clients. It's like, we advise you decide, right? You know, we're yeah. the attorneys, we give the advice, but it's your case You make the decisions. Um, 
but there is a time where, you know, you, you know, you need to kind of provide that perspective and to your point, know your client, um, you know, part of customer service, I think, especially in the legal field is knowing how to communicate with your client and communicate with however, you know, whether they tell you right away or what, you know, works best for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's going to be a bad decision and you've already advised them and they want to do it anyways, but it's a decision that does, you know, it's a, a Thursday or Friday. It's a decision that doesn't need to get done on a Thursday or Friday. So why don't you sleep over it, sleep on it, right? Like think about it over the weekend um, and get back to it because mm. you know, you, as an attorney, you do, you do need to be those guardrails um, on some of this stuff. Absolutely. Um, Yes. And so uh, the next piece and why I think you're first off, why I've had you on the podcast, uh, (laughs) because I thought it was super important. I've, I've, I've talked with many, many uh, attorneys and um, not all of them have that deeper understanding or desire to understand the human. And so uh, one of the main things that I always was curious when meeting with attorneys is, do you ask people when you're interviewing them or when they're interviewing you, like, have you tried anything else? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried a support group? Have you tried something before you've come to me? Um, and I, I think that's, it shows the respect that you have for uh, the person and their experience and not just your business, you know, side of you or, or the business you work for. Um, I think it's, it speaks highly of being respectable to, again, to the person's situation. So share with us a little bit about how, if somebody were to come to you and they hadn't tried anything and what they've shared with you seems like they could try something, where do you kind of, how do you navigate that conversation? Yeah. So yeah, it's, you know, certainly I have kind of a checklist of questions and intake process, depending on the type of case it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, admittedly, like, have you been to therapy? Have you done couples counseling? Isn't on that checklist, but there's certainly times where, you know, based off of what they might've told, you know, my assistant beforehand. So some notes I already have, or, you know, in the conversation, um, you can kind of gather where they are in the process. And so sometimes it might just be as easy as asking, so are you calling today because something's been filed? You know, there are certain questions like that, that are arguably neutral, but they'll give you a little bit of an idea of where they are, you know, mentally, as well as in the process. So, you know, um, are you, has anything been filed? Has anyone brought up the, you know, the D word divorce, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of gives you a, a headspace of where it ought where it is. And I think a lot of times that gives, you know, people the um, ability to say, you know, I actually don't want a divorce. And, and I've had numerous people said that to me, I actually don't want a divorce. But you know, he or she brought it up, I think I need to know my options, or I've been served. I, I think this is premature, I think we should go to therapy. Um, and so those type of situations, or they might just say, I don't know, I'm, th- I'm thinking about it. And I just wanted to talk to someone to see what my options are, um, you know, and what makes sense, what is the landscape out there, right? Like, mm-hmm. what would I be getting myself into? And certainly when those type of conversations come up, um, I will say, you know, have you guys, have you guys tried counseling? Um, have, have you been doing this? And then you'll hear some of that. Um, and um, if they say, no, we haven't, but I, I want to, I'll say then ask him or her if they want to go. And, you know, if you guys are able to work it out, great. If not, and you think we would be helpful, 
you have my number, you have my email, call anytime, email anytime, um, and we can you know, start that process up. So it really is um, fact specific and situation specific in terms of when I bring it up. But certainly if there is a hesitation or if there's someone that says that, you know, I'll suggest it. Uh, that being said, sometimes, you know, in New Hampshire, if, if someone wants to get divorced, the, they're going to get divorced, right? You know, they're not going to be held held to do it in most instances. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it can depend, but certainly I've had cases before where we've been in the divorce process for a, a long time and people have spent money on attorneys that yeah. they can't get back. Um, and then they reconcile. It's rare, at least in my experience, it's rare, but I much rather have them try as best they can before they get into that position. Right. Because once the attorneys get involved, um, you know, there's just fees pile up and, yeah. you know, that money can definitely be better spent by getting split up between the parties, going to 529 plan, something, right? Yeah. So certainly if there's, if there's an ability for re reconciliation, um, you know, I think it's important. Um, I've had clients where, or I, you know, shouldn't say clients, but I've had people who have called um, and those conversations have occurred and I've heard back from them, you know, maybe a couple months later. Um, certainly we've had a couple that have come back years later. Um, so, you know, give or take, but then there's others we never hear back from and whether it's because they were able to reconcile, which I, I think is probably always the goal, um, or, you know, they've decided to go with other counsel, but yeah, I, I do think that that's something that if it's appropriate in the context to, to bring up and see, see if it's an option. Absolutely. Um, there's you know, going to be times where you're not going to be able to, uh, like it wouldn't, if someone's like, there's papers already filed, I've already been served. Like you can ask, but there, there, there's like, it's kind of like right at that point, things are already kind of in motion. So it would be weir right. a weird, but that's, that's a, that's a technicality in the conversation more so than like, and again, speaking to you as an attorney, you do a really great job with making sure you're again, caring to the person's situation versus just seeing it in the black and white way that you might see the law or that attorneys tend to have to communicate the law because again, it is an, a, an emotionless um, way of, uh, of being our world kind of has emotionless, you know, ways of, exp of participating in the law. So I love that you're skilled at making those distinctions. Um, I want to go to the third place. Um, and I am looking at my notes here. If you get to a place oh, where you're ready for the divorce, you know, like, and, and really, they've either tried therapy or they've already come to you and they already have the uh, papers are being served and the process is kind of started at, at that point, what does it kind of look like? And again, remember this, this is not your, you're not getting uh, attorney services here. Like there's a huge disclaimer around what she's about to say, but I think it's important to educate people on what that process might kind of look like. Like what's the conversation that you have when people call you and are curious? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So just general advice and certainly, you know, based upon individual circumstances, you know, things get tailored differently. Certainly if anyone really is looking to get involved in the process or have any of that, I would certainly suggest calling an attorney where you can talk about, you know, the facts of your specific case and see what might be best for you from a strategic point. Um, and certainly this is all kind of New Hampshire stuff, but yeah. Um, if, if someone's been served, um, you know, and they call us and they want to, um, they want to engage, there's no, you know, certainly when people have been served, the process has started, if they still 
do think there's time to save it. A lot of times that discussion is you can ask, you can see, um, but you know, once you're in the court process, deadlines start running. So you mm -hmm. wanna make sure you're kind of doing double duty there by preserving your rights, making sure you don't, um, you know, you're answering what you're supposed to be answering, you're meeting your court deadlines. So once that process gets started, it depends on where they are um, because there's certain deadlines for when you need to appear, essentially tell the court you wanna participate um, and perhaps answer um, if you want to do that. Mm -hmm. So essentially respond to that initial pleading. But it really depends. A lot of times when a case comes in, um, it's, a, it's a matter of are there temporary issues that need to get resolved, need to get dealt with. If there's an attorney on the other side, um, you know, if there's no temporary issues, do you have an idea of where you want these things to go, right? Like, do you have an idea of what you want it to look like with who's going to be responsible for the kids when, how the kids are going to go back from house to house? Um, do you have an idea of what support's going to be needed and to who um, from a child, child support, alimony, and then your stuff, right? Your the property division, how is that going to get divided? And again, depending on the client, that looks different. Um, I call it like an initial divorce packet that I send over to my divorce clients. Um, if it's parenting, it's much more pared down because you don't have to deal with alimony. You don't have to deal with um, property division. But, you know, some some people want all the information. So I will send them all the court forms, even mm -hmm. though I don't always use the court forms. So they understand what issues the court is going to want to talk about what we need to not decide right now. But in the back of your mind, think about how these how these things are going to operate, how you want your family to look after this process is all over, um, mm -hmm. get some of those goals in mind. And then the immediate stuff, um, you know, sometimes people want to get divorced right away. Um, and we talk about that sometimes. And normally that person is on the other side from someone who really needs the process, right? So they want, want to get to A to Z this quickly. Yeah. And the yeah. other person it wants to get to A to Z like this because they need the, you know, they need those other letters, they need the process, they need to be able to feel heard, um, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, the marriage is breaking down. And so, you know, it's one of those things, if you want to get it done right away, like, be mindful, take a breath, because if you want, if you want to get it done, right, that takes time. Mm -hmm. um, and depending on the assets involved, the income involved, um, there's some data collection, um, that tends to be that's kind of a very high overload. I probably just dumped a lot. Of no, it's all really, really important. But, um, but yeah, really, when you first start the process, if if you know you're answering a petition or if you want to file, um, you know the the biggest piece is a lot of biographical information, general overviews under each of those kind of four boxes we call it, so you know what you're asking for um, in any petition or response, and then a lot of data. Um, there's certain documents you have to exchange and then depending on the assets again depending on the income you might need some more information from that mm -hmm. and once you're in a place to get that data um, you have a better idea of, of what things look like to really start talking about the issues and certainly if there's temporary needs whether it's you know issues going on if people are in the same house um, or certain bills need to get paid um, someone needs some temporary support you know those take priority but a lot of times if, if you can keep the status quo well, um, it's just getting that data exchanged so that you can move forward and try to get some final resolution. Um, New Hampshire is pretty progressive in the sense of you're pretty much, you know, unless there's issues of domestic violence um, and the person who's been abused doesn't want to go to mediation and can't have those, you know, some safeguards to that process, 
um, the court's going to expect you to go to mediation, even on temporary issues. Um, certainly, it's the quickest way to get issues resolved is to agree because our mm -hmm. courts are pretty backed up as well. So um, that tends to be the expectation, especially if two attorneys are on the case, because we know you can get you can get scheduled for a temporary hearing or you can get scheduled for a hearing on other stuff. But the court's immediately going to ask you if you guys have mediated. Um, and if you haven't, they're going to want a good reason. Um, and they're probably going to make you do it, even if you've tried it before. Right. Uh, so it, that it adds a different context as well, because we kind of know what we're working towards. We're working to kind of get this resolution that both parties have buy into, have some control over. Right. Um, one of our judges used to say uh, the legal system is not designed to deal with family law issues, but it's the best we have. And so if yeah. you really want to have some control over it, certainly if you want to try to do some creative stuff. Um, the best way to, to deal with that is to agree to it. And most do, most, most cases in New Hampshire settle, so. Yeah, good. Uh, that was uh, a very quick breakdown of, of a, I'm sure, like a couple hour or at least an hour long <laughs> conversation with people who are calling and asking questions. And the, yeah. and the key piece to this is those of you who are listening who are like, what did she just say? If you have questions, you can reach out to Nicole and we'll share that information with you uh, in a little bit. Um, but the important piece is we don't have, if you're listening, you're like trying to figure out for yourself, what does this mean for you? We don't have your detailed information or Nicole doesn't have your de detailed information. So she can't answer or offer any guidance in any way, shape or form um, with those because she doesn't have that information. So a lot of what you just said was the black and white parts to the work that you right. have to do. Um, and then as the person you sh shares the data with you, you kind of can trickle in and make it not black and white. You can make it personal and, and emotional and not emotionless. So um, if you have questions or if someone would like to reach out to you, where can they find you? Uh, so yeah. website, email, social media. Yeah. So, yeah. So I work at Champagne. Um, we're a law firm that's headquartered in Manchester. Can you spell so, that? Yes. Yeah, so S, uh, S H E E H A N P H I N N E Y. Yes. I'm better with paper and pens. I'm like visualizing it in my it's head. Okay. So if you Google that, our website comes up and you can find me easily there. Um, also, if you, if you Google it with my name, Nicole Forbes, um, you'll probably find my LinkedIn, which I, which I post regularly on. Um, I do have social media accounts. My Instagram and Facebook is NH Divorce Lawyer. Um, that's my handle. And then my Twitter handle is NH Divorce Law. And so I, I post pretty regularly on there. Um, and certainly a lot more on LinkedIn because it's because my other accounts are pretty directed towards family law. Um, but that's kind of my information only uh, type uh, content piece. Certainly my website um, has my direct dial. It has uh, my email address. And if anyone has any um, questions or they think we might be a good fit, they can certainly reach out and uh, we can start that initial process. I love it. I am so excited. I significantly appreciate that you are here. Um, I look forward to continuing the conversation. And obviously my goal is to never have to send someone to you, but I'm so grateful um, that, <laughs> that I have somebody who I can trust. Whereas if we did everything that we could do in the work that I do, um, that I can genuinely send them to you knowing that they will be taken care of and, and treated with humanity so i appreciate that in you well thank you i i, I appreciate that <laughs> you're welcome
This episode is brought to you by Safety in Freedom. Are you struggling to find safety in the freedom you create? Or maybe you're struggling to own your power, embrace who you are, and break free from those toxic patterns? Well, let's help you solve this problem today. Let's figure out what is really happening in your relationships with yourself and others. You can do that for free today at safetyinfreedom.com forward slash call. That is safetyinfreedom.com forward slash call. In addition, if you are looking for support with what we've been talking about in today's episode, I want to encourage you to get our free tools to help you navigate your freedom. You can go now to safetyinfreedom.com to get those resources. If you'd like access to the special resources and all the show notes for this special episode, make sure to visit theintimacytruths.com.